you're visiting with us, we're right in the middle of a uh, series in Psalms where we do in the, in the summer, we get to know our elders. So we have, we're an elder-led church, so we have um, a plurality of pastors, and we use the summer to really make sure we know who's preaching. And uh, today, I'm up, so I'm really excited to be here. And um, if you're concerned about the ability to lead worship and uh, preach at the same week, it's nothing to it, right? nothing to it. Hadn't fretted it all week. No, we, we have an incredible team, man. Of, um, I mean, these, I mean it's, obviously, it's hard for me not to sing when there's a mic in front of me. Uh, but these worship leaders like Alan and uh, Mary-Kate and uh, Grayson, all these people, my wife, I mean, that threw me off. Was that weird or what? Well, I go. Uh, so I am probably the most awkward of all the pastors. Um, so you're really in for a treat today. And uh, we're just glad to be here and... Uh, study this incredible passage. Man, I hope you, as you're reading that and watching uh, Psalm 19 there, come across the screens, like you're already noticing, uh, man, what an incredible, um, beautiful psalm that we have here and that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, Honestly, this is one of those that probably should be lasted over about three weeks, um, and there's some things in here that we could probably do an entire month on, uh, but today we're going to kind of take a 5,000 foot view. We're going to zoom in on a couple places uh, so just hang tight with me. We, we should beat most people to the top of the river, um, but we'll, we'll do the best we can. Um, and it's such a, such a good psalm, though, and just one of those psalms that, like, I mean, there are tons of hymns written from the psalms derived from this. Essentially, everybody from, like, Isaac Watts to Lincoln Brewster have written songs about, and everybody in between, about Psalm 19. Uh, C.S. Lewis has pretty incredible praise for this psalm. Um, he, he, he says this, he says it was the, the greatest poem in all the Psalter, um, and, and possibly one of the greatest lyrics in all the world. Uh, so that, that's pretty incredible uh, high praise for a guy like C.S. Lewis to put, put it there. And, uh, and I mean, and we think, like, is it, is it really that good? I mean, like, can, is it really better than the infamous Psalm 23? I mean, is it better than Psalm 63 that we read earlier? And we're going to make a connection there, but... I don't really know, but, but C.S. Lewis kind of thought it was a big deal, so uh, we're, we're going to take his word for that and, and move forward with it. But we know the psalm was written uh, by David. It was written to the choir master, uh, 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 the people there, um, and it was written to, for the people to sing, to be able to sing this song and to, to see the glory of God. And um, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of break this down. If you're taking notes, I left you plenty of page, blank spaces on there uh, so you could take notes. And uh, if you see that today, we're going to be looking at kind of three different sections the glory of God, the law of God, and our response to God. Most people don't give you their whole outline at the beginning, but like I said, I'm a little different. Um, but we're going to be looking at the glory of God, the law of God, and then our response to God. And so it's going to be a little different today. Uh, we're not gonna, I'm not going to have you stand up because I'm going to break this down multiple times throughout the, script, out the, out the morning. And so otherwise it would be Simon says stand up, Simon says step down. That's going to get, some of you are going to like, not like me after that. So remain seated and calm, and fasten your seatbelts. The glory of God. We're going to see this today. And so, so David starts out talking about uh, the glory of God, and we're going to see a hinge verse in, in verse 7. I'm uh, pretty excited to get, get to that point. Um, and then we're going to see his response at the end of the, uh, the passage there. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and turn over to Psalm 19. We're going to mostly be there. If there's any reference scriptures, we'll throw them up on the screen. Uh, so we'll, we'll come, kind of come back and forth to that. But let's look at uh, Psalm uh, 19, 1 and 2. Let's read these first. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. 
Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Okay, let's stop there for a minute. So, first off, I am an absolute sucker for a good sunset or a sunrise. Like, anybody, like, just, I mean, that just, no, one person, awesome. Two, oh, there we go. It's okay, you can raise your hands. Uh, we're going to be interactive today, all right? Um, so, man, I'm a sucker for a good sunrise, sunset. I mean, and so I took some, uh, if this will pull up, I took some pictures from uh, James Spann's Facebook page, so we know they're real. Because <laughs> uh, that's what we do. We steal things from our, our, the prophet James. And so, and, and if you'll look at this, man, just, just noticing, uh, man, like the, the, the colors there. This is actually from Gadsden. Uh, some of you guys actually saw liked this, so I know some of you have seen this before. Uh, but man, like the, the orange and the pinks and the purples and the and the cloud and the the, the the clouds coming off the mountain there. I mean, I mean, are we not seeing his handiwork there, right? Oh man, well, that's incredible. Look at this next one. I don't. I'm not quite sure where this one was taken, but I mean, for, I mean, it's probably parked down by the lake, 80 miles from Santa Fe, for all I know. Um, but but if you see like the picture of the pink. And the purples and, and just the glory of God, man, just, just, just right in the middle of all that. It's incredible. Um, we, we, we're not even talking about the night skies yet. Like, any of you guys stargazers to go lay out in the backyard? That's kind of weird. I wouldn't admit that. Um, oh, you do. I'm so sorry, Josh. But, um, but you have a telescope, though, so that's different. That's different. It's not like just weird people walking around staring up in the sky uh, like I do. But like that's, I know some of you are going to make fun of me uh, because they were actually like city folk, okay? Like you were maybe from like a bigger city like Atlanta or Nashville. Like for me, you know, when I moved to the big metropolitan of Oxford, like we would go back home to Abel, Alabama, uh, which is just a suburb of Chulafini. Um, and <laughs> we, we would... I would go out there and we would drop get, picking up the kids, dropping the kids off or something, and and I just look up. I was like, man, the stars are just different here. Now this was obviously taken in Abel. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know where this is taken from. It was just one of those that, that popped up. But then you have stuff like the Northern Lights. I, I mean, yeah, right. That's what that's what I say. Like, and if any of you like have the hookups to like somehow go see that, if you have like a vacation spot or something, let me know. Like, we'd love to buy your lunch or something if you could hook us up. Um, but man, I, so I'm not really sure where these are, but I mean, this is definitely a bucket list thing. But you see the, um, the, the lights, and have you ever watched any of the videos of the Northern Lights bouncing around? If you've seen them in, in person, if you're from um, that area where you can actually see that, uh, it's, it's spectacular, man. Uh, it is something else. Um, but we see all this, and, 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 we, and, we, and we see like God's handiwork. Man, what handiwork? What glory? What, what um, meticulousness in, in making this and what attention to detail? And we're already experiencing in this passage the, the first of one of two ways that the Lord has chosen to reveal himself to us. Um, the first is, th- is we see this through nature. Um, God reveals himself to us through nature. You may have heard this called natural revelation or uh, a more commonly known theological term would be general revelation. Um, and in Psalm 19, like one, one through four, man, like that's the perfect, if you're thinking about like natural revelation, how the Lord reveals himself uh, to us through nature, like that's the passage you want to cling to. And, and, uh, and when we see his, um, through nature, we see his very existence, we see his power. Uh, and, and, we, and that's not even talking about like, we're just talking about the, the, what we see. We're not talking about the things that we can't see, like the concept of like 
gravity and the concept of like how far we are from the sun and the speed that the earth rotates and we don't burn up and we don't freeze to death and we don't get slung off the, the earth. I mean, these are all things that are not even, we're not even there yet. And we can't get into all that. Um, but, but we see that those are all order, right? I mean, when we see the order, like it, it, it points that there, there's order and it points to that there's evidence of a creator. We see this also in Romans, Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 20. We can throw that up real quick, and we're going to kind of look through that. Romans chapter 1 through 20 says this, uh, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuses. I almost labeled this... Uh, this sermon, hashtag no excuses. Um, but that's a whole other sermon, so we're gonna, <laughs> we'll tag off that later. But, man, from God's handiwork, from God's handiwork alone, we see his existence. We see his goodness. We see his wisdom. We see his power, his sincerity. We see his providence. And that's all just from the first couple of verses. Verse 2, what, what does verse 2 say? So go back to Psalm 19, uh, verse 2, Matthew, if you can. It says, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Man, here's the crazy thing about this. It's like since the beginning of creation, there has never been one day, one hour, one second, one millisecond that God has not given us some evidence of his power. And in every future day, there will be something new and proof of the existence and the perfection of God. I'm not sure that there's any other passage in the entire Bible that, that, that makes this claim as, as clear as this one does. And here's, here's the crazy thing. Um, and, and, and there's obviously a big disconnect between science and God, but it, it shouldn't be that way. And they, the two should work together. The two should be studied together. And because the, the incredible thing is that, that science follows nature, and nature follows God. And the, the more we find out and learn about science, the, the, the more we're pointed, the more God reveals himself to us. They work together. There's one cool thing that Calvin referenced, and uh, he referenced a theologian said this. This is, no poem ever contained a finer argument against atheism, no one better expressed than talking about these couple verses. Napoleon, there's a story of him when he was coming back from Egypt on the Mediterranean, and he overheard his, uh, his officers there basically confessing atheism, and he simply said, pointed to the stars and said, who made those? And atheism didn't have an answer. Man, the scripture said day after day, night after night, the creator God speaks to us, all of us, through general revelation, speaks to us of his handiwork. Verse 3, let's read verse 3 together. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. So the voice that David is speaking of here is the voice of the heavens. And so here's what we need to take away from this verse. That no matter how diverse languages may get, obviously there's a lot of languages. Watching the Olympics the night, and there was one country that had like, I think it had like 4 million people, but it had like 80-something languages. I mean, it was, it was insane, the amount of languages. It may have been more than that. But no, no matter how diverse languages may be, no, more how, no matter how difficult it may be from, to speak from one person to another, there is still and there will always be a silent yet clear language from heaven that is screaming of a glorious creator. 
to all of us. All of us. Verse 4 through 6. Let's read this together. It says, Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the end of them, and there is nothing, there is nothing hidden from its heat. When we look at these first, these, these three verses there, in four through six, we see a few things. The first is we see the, the heavens and, and their word goes out to everyone, everywhere. Okay, so no matter where you're at, no matter if you're in Alabama or America or if you're in Africa or Eswatini, the heavens declare the same, same God declares that there, and you can see his handiwork there just as you can here. General revelation, natural revelation, it's nature. But then the, the, then, but then the, the, the writer dedicates a couple of verses there to, to, um, to the sun. He kind of says, hey, I'm going to give the sun a little credit here. The sun's pretty cool. Let's check this out. This, there's three things I want to look at about the sun and how it connects in with this passage. The first is that he uh, is, is the sun's radiance and how excellent his form is. Now he makes the, what does he say there about the, the bridegroom? Like it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And we, we're taking this from like an Eastern wedding ceremony type thing back in the day. And like, it was a big deal. Like you knew when the, the bridegroom was, was there and he, he had, I mean, all the pomp and circumstance that came with that. Um, man, I think back like uh, just on my own wedding day, like people knew that I was getting married, right? Like I had the, we'd sent out invitations and, and we had made a Facebook page. We probably even had a, a website, the idodo.com I or something. I don't, I'm not sure what that was, but, uh, but we had all these things people knew, man. And man, when I put on that, that suit, man, when I tied that tie, and man, when I put on that unnecessary amount of cologne and then I had my soul patch like I liked it. Yeah, you can, you can show that and clear those lyrics off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Woo-woo. Dapper, right? I mean, I mean, just, I'm telling you, like, every little thing was perfect. I mean, I had waited 26 years, man. Come on. Like, you better believe there was a glow about me, okay? You, you better believe that when people knew the bridegroom was coming out of the chamber, like, there, were, there was a glow, son, about me. I promise you. I'm just going to leave that there for the rest of the, rest of the morning. <laughs> He just lets you stare at it all awkwardly. Uh, it's like 30 pounds ago. But man, like, and it, so we see the sun's radiance, like my own, and excellent its form is. Um, and then you see the sun's speed and the quickness and the joy that it brings. Man, like, what is it said? Like a strong man, it runs its course with joy. I mean, some of the best athletes to watch are those that do it with joy, right? You guys seen this one? I mean, no matter, okay, all right, look, no matter your thoughts on Usain Bolt, I get it. I mean, I know there's some different thoughts processes, but the fact that this picture even exists, I mean, come on, man. And like, he's just, now granted, it's probably more like cockiness and, and not joy, but, but there are other photos out there where he's just smiling and like, it's like he's jogging. Like, how many records could have been broken had he actually tried? I mean, I mean, that's one of my, whoever took this photo, I mean, that is like just glorious. Just like, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever smiled while running. Um, amen. But man, like, it's just, I think, think more like Simone Biles and her floor routine. That's probably a more accurate, uh, the joy that, that comes with that, right? Um, 
So we see the joy and the power like that. And then we see the third thing was the incredible power of its heat. The incredible power of the sun's heat. Scripture says what? That, that nothing is hidden from its heat. Now, now look, this could be in a totally different, this, whole, this, this one verse or these two verses could be an entire <laughs> series, okay? Um, because, I mean, there's some theological differences that guys disagree with, and, and a lot of the guys, um, speaking of this, think that this means wrath, okay? I could see that. I, I could see it's talking about, you know, we associate heat and sun with, with fire and burning things up and, and how nothing's going to escape God's wrath. No, we get that, and believe me, I'm not a guy that's going, I love you and do good and you're the best life now. Okay, I'm not that guy, okay, and you know that. All right, but, but, and, and what's, what's hard is we see in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, which is right before what we just read, that Paul's using some of these same words, and he's using, uh, he's, and he's speaking about general revelation, he's speaking about that there, and so we know that there's some connection there. But, 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 when we see verse 7 as our hinge verse, and when we see Psalm 19, the, all 14 verses together, I think this is, they were showing there's a picture not of wrath here, but I think what we're seeing here is a picture of God's love. Uh, let, let me explain why. Jonathan Edwards uh, was quoted saying this. that He said that nothing is hid from his enlivening heat. Okay? So, so what, he, what we see here is not necessarily like the, the bad things of the, the heat, like the, the burning up and the, all that. What we see here is the, the good things that the sun brings out. Like, we see the benefits of the sun. We see the, the goodness of the sun. We see the joy that the sun brings. Man, the sun is a good thing. It's an absolutely necessary thing to plant an animal life. Think about it, what it does to our own psyche. Like, if you're like me, you work an office job, and you're inside, and, like, you just have to go outside. Like, I just, I have to be outside for a minute, and it's just going to reset some things, right? I mean, there's a reason people go to the beach and go to the mountains and go outside. Like, those are things that help you reset uh, and, and revive you. And we'll get to that in just a minute. And there's a reason that, that God said on the fourth day, like, man, this is good. Like, it, it, it's good. I made this. It is good. I promise it's good. But, but then we see in verse 7, we see a shift in the Scripture. So we've been talking about God's glory and all these good stuff and, 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 and general revelation. And, and it goes from speaking about the glorious God and his creation and, and, and the revelation we can receive from his handiwork to describing the law of the Lord and his attributes. Let's read verses 7 through 10 now together. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. All right, let's stop right there. If I had my little doodle machine like Cody does, I would circle all those. Uh, so circle that in your Bible. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true, all these things, man. So what we're seeing here is like an incredible de description, glorious, beautiful description of God's word in God's word. I mean, the way David was inspired to write this by the Holy Spirit, this, this cause and effect kind of concept here in, the, in this poem, is incredible. David turns, and it's like, it's like David had been kind of rolling along on this like 7 out of 10 on the intensity scale. Like, he's pretty intense. He's like, man, this is just, we talk about the sun. Like, let's talk about the sky. Let's talk about the attribute of God and his creation. And then 
He like breaks the dial off at 11. Okay, he's like cranks it up. So let, me, let, me, let me tell you, you think that's good? Let's talk about the law of the Lord. Let's talk about the law of God and how incredible that is. Let's talk about the, how, how pure it is and how right it is and how sure it is and how clean it is. And he connects all these things together. And he says, let's talk about God's word. Let's talk about the revelation we get from scripture. Let's talk about special revelation which is the second way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us is through his word, special revelation. So we have general revelation, we have special revelation. But before we get into that, don't miss one thing in verse 7. Stay on verse 7 with me for just a second. Don't miss, don't miss this in verse 7. We, we, sometimes we get into this, we get going, man, and it's good, and we want to read all this, but we need to slow down and look at this word by word, verse by verse. Don't miss this one verse in, in, in verse 7, or one word in verse 7. It says, your version may say restoring the soul or, or converting the soul. Um, mine says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I think the NIV maybe has, has it best. It says refreshes the soul. Now, obviously, we know there's, there's, there's not a, because of the difference of all the words. I mean, we've got four different Bible, Bible translations, or, 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 translations, and we have four different words. So there's, there's obvious there's not an English word. That is exactly like the Hebrew word, or they would have put that there, okay? So what we're seeing here, no matter how you look at it, no matter what version you, you choose to, to read out of, the law, I mean, you could put them all together for that matter. The law of the Lord is perfect. It, it revives the soul. It restores the soul. It, concert, it converts the soul. It refreshes the soul. Don't miss that. So special revelation uh, not only, here's the thing, there's kind of a threefold thing to special revelation. Not only does it include the word, the way God guided the authors to write the scriptures through the Holy Spirit and, and how he used their own personalities and their own character traits, like their own, like how that all worked, that's a special revelation. We also see that in, in, uh, in, 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 in dreams and visions and miracles. We see special revelation there. But, but it's also how God has revealed himself to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Special revelation. We see that, that God has revealed himself to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and, and to get there, John 1, 1, we see this. We see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Again, on, in verse 14, the same chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and, and we have seen his glory, glory as, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. How about Hebrews Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, this is good. This is where I would circle and doodle. Um, but long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir, hang on to that, of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance. Does that sound like something else we just talked about? He's the radiance of, all, of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Man, special revelation. We, we see the word of God. We see miracles and, and dreams and, and, and visions. And then we see the son of God. It's all part of special revelation. And here's the incredible thing to connect here with. Is the word is like a fresh drink of water when you've been in the desert. Not, not that great of a, oh, well, that's great, Andrew. Track with me for just a minute. 
Like I think of like, like I don't know if anybody's have ever been really thirsty. Like I'm, I'm pretty parched right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but like I can remember there was a time, uh, and, and when we were, um, I said I wasn't gonna say this today, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, there was a time where I wanted to be a mountain bike, and uh, and I, and I so badly everything I do, I want my wife to be involved with it. Like we just, I just, I just dream of us doing everything together, like the good husband I should be, right? Um, and she, like the awesome wife that she is, yes, I will go mountain bike with you. I'm like, really? Yeah, she said, but we only need to go for like an hour because we, we're going to go to your parents and swim and just have a, a zero day. And I was like, okay, we can do that. We can go have a, have a free day. And we go, and uh, the one-hour tour turned into a six-hour tour. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have been riding on, on, uh, on Coldwater Mountain, but if you're six hours on Coldwater Mountain, like... It's, it's, uh, it's pretty intense, and um, I can remember at one point as I'm kind of riding to the front and then to the back to check on her <laughs> in the front and then coming back, and, and, she, and I come back, and she's walking her bike, walking. Her and another guy who was worse off than she was, um, oh, she's a trooper, man. She said, if, how much further? And as a, as a male, you want to tell her 1.2 miles, <laughs> but I was like, we're almost there. We're almost there, and she's and this, and this happened like multiple, multiple times. No water, no snacks. Again, we're only going to be going for an hour, so why would you bring snacks for an hour? No, what? Done with the water. Water's been gone for like at least three, four hours. And uh, I just remember the. I don't remember exactly all the conversations. I probably blacked out a little bit. Uh, but but I remember we came across this this uh, forestry road, and she said, "This is where I'm sitting." You will ride back, you will get the truck, and you will come get me. I was like, man, I don't even know where this is, bro. And so I was like, all right, we got it. And I knew it was a mile, but I just didn't know where it was at. But so I took off and, and, and come back through, and I can remember thinking, like, God, how do I make this right? How do I make this right? How do I make this right? You're, I'm praying, you know, teaching the Lord, cover myself with sackcloth and ashes. And, and I'm driving, and I see Chevron. I see the Chevron. I said, praise God for Chevron. I whipped in there. I got a couple of big Gatorades and a couple of brownies and zipped in there. And before I even, like, spoke to her, I was, here, here, here. <laughs> and she's just killing them. And I think she's, and she says to this day, like, that's what saved our marriage was those two Gatorades. <laughs> You know, and, and, and so, man, man, you kind of think like, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. Like, you just kind of, you kind of put them at, and she was really thirsty, like super dehydrated. I think, I think it almost cost our marriage and a couple others. Keith and Kylie, I won't, I won't bring up you, you guys were there. So, um, so yeah, that's a, I guess the moral of the story is don't hang around me. Um, but man, like, so, I mean, like, think about like, that, that was a, a drink of water when she had been in the desert. When I'm talking about like deep into the desert of Coldwater Mountain, like thirsting, um, and I want you to think on this for a second, too. Like, you, you may have seen, like, a, um, an uptick here at Iron City in um, the, the importance of fasting. Like, we've done a couple of fasts together as a church family for some different things. And I think you're going to see even more of that over the next year. Uh, just we're seeing the importance of that. Uh, and the Lord calls us to do that, and yet we, we haven't done that. And I think we see some incredible testimonies from that. And uh, many of you as adults are going, I've, I've never done this before. I don't really know what to do. And, and it's hard. It's a hard thing, right? Uh, but I think if I interviewed some of you today, like you would share some of the testimonies of, of how fasting has, has just stretched you as a believer. But think on this. Our bodies can go, really can go days and weeks, uh, and in some extreme cases, like two, up to two months without food, right? Like we see that. But, but our bodies can only go three days without water. I mean, five to six days without water 
and you're going to die of dehydration. That's just, I mean, there's no way around that. And so, church, my observation is this, and, and catch me, and, and my confession, listen to me, my, my confession to you is, is this, is that today, many of us, I dare say many of us, are spiritually dehydrated. And the Word of God is, is clear. The law of the Lord is perfect, and the, and it, and the only thing that, that can, it can revive the soul and refresh the soul and restore the soul is the Word of God. Man, we wouldn't dare go from a Sunday to Sunday and, and not drink water, right? But man, we go days, weeks, sometimes, sometimes even months without opening God's Word. And God, help us. Change, change us. Change our hearts. That's my prayer, man. Change, change me, Lord. Restore my soul from spiritual dehydration. Church, this is, this is convicting. Like, I, those of you who know me close and, and walked with me through this past week, like, this is as hard as anything I've ever had to preach because I'm not there. I don't, I don't have it figured out, okay? I don't, I don't knock this out of the park every day. I'm just being real with you. But we go on to see the description here, you know, right, clean, pure, true. And these are all things that we desire and that we want to get right. And when we go through those moments where we've been in the desert and we finally get that drink of water, man, it is so good. Man, it is so good. The psalmist goes on to say it's, it's more to be desired than gold, even the finest gold. Because, because here's, here's the deal. like when, when you've delighted in God's word, it becomes more desirable than any material thing that you could ever think of. When you have delighted, truly delighted in God's word, like it, nothing else materially matters. When you've tasted God's word, it becomes more pleasurable than any, than any 22-ounce bone-in ribeye from Linda Marie's, okay? It, the, the Word of God is so, so much better than anything you've ever tasted. And believe me, that's a good state. The heavens are glorious. The sky, yes, is breathtaking, but it will never refresh your soul like the Word of God does. Never. Let's continue on. Verse 11. says this, moreover by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Okay, so we know he's talking about the law of the Lord, and we know that, 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 that we can't do that. We can't fulfill the law of the Lord. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it perfectly because that's, I mean, obviously there's a holy God who's perfect. There's a sinful man who is far from perfect, and there's a gap in between, right? There's a gap between a holy God and a sinful man. And we know that the only, only way to fill that gap is, is Jesus, is, is the way that God sent Jesus who, who, to fill that gap, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, death on a cross. And we were adopted as sons and daughters. And Scripture goes, it says that as children, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and co, co-heirs, which we heard about a while ago, co-heirs with Christ. And so the reward he's speaking of is in our inheritance in heaven. This brings us to the final section, our response to God. Our response to God. Let's read verses 12 and 13. 
Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So here we see David's response to God. Psalm has led us to point back, and to kind of this point to point back to our failures, our own failures, the ones that we know about, and um, also the ones that we don't know about, and that were that are unknown to us. And it brings us to this prayer of repentance and seeking protection from the power that sin can have and has over us. We we, we see the same word here used in verse six that hidden. Right, that there's nothing hidden from its heat. So David says that you know to bring this to our minds, that the the hidden sins that we're not even aware of. Man, that's that's my prayer. Oh Lord, that you would show me even the hidden sins of my heart that I don't even know about. Amen. Just like the sun searches out all the earth, and, and as it, and you can think about it as it rises and it covers the whole land, right? So does the law of God search the depths of the soul. It brings us back to ask for forgiveness. Even for those repetitive sins, those presumptuous sins that the Scripture talks about that, that tend to kind of have our number. You're probably thinking of that one now. It's like, man, if I could just clean up my mouth. <laughs> if I could just ditch this. If I could just do that. But it brings us to a point to beg God to not let those sins reign over us. And then, and only then, Will we be blameless? And our desire and, and, and our response to God should be the cry to be blameless. That should be like our, our heart's desire like every day. Like, God, please, we want to be blameless. A cry for blamelessness. Because that's what the law is. The law is blameless. The only way to be blameless is to trust in the special revelation that God has revealed to us through the person of Jesus. That's the only way to be blameless. There is no way to get from a holy God from a, as, a, as a sinful man to get to a holy God without through the person of Jesus. There's, there's no other way. That, that's it. That's your option. Option A, no other options. Through the person of Jesus, the blameless. He was the blameless, innocent, acceptable sacrifice, holy Lamb of God that was sent for us that we may have life and have life abundantly. And then, once, we've, when, once that has happened, once David got to that point in the scriptures, he's able to say what we would probably consider the most popular verse out of this section. Then we can proclaim verse 14 and request that, that what we've just read or sang in the psalm would be an acceptable act of worship. And that is this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Once we get to that point, we can say that as an acceptable act of worship. This morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know which part of this you connected well with or or didn't connect at all with and But I do know this. There is a amount of spiritual dehydration amongst the the body 
of Christ um, that is uh, it's, it's running rampant. You've been there. Your, your response is to repent and turn and ask the Lord to revive, restore, give you that fresh drink of water that only the Word of God can, can give you. So that's my prayer this morning, is that you guys would search your hearts um, and that the Lord would restore the joy of His salvation to you. If you, if you don't know Christ, Man, like, we want to talk to you. We're not going to figure this out in three minutes in the altar. But, man, we'll have coffee. I'd love to sit down and, and, and share God's word with you. We have elders here. We have connection group teachers here. We have deacons here. Man, that, that just want to sit down with you and, and figure out where you're at and how we can take the step forward in your spiritual life that you can be revived, restored, converted. Let's pray together.